On Before the Bestseller, we talk with our favorite authors about the books they wrote and the stories behind how those books made it big. I'm your host, Alex Straffy, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Richard Fenton and Andrea Waltz are the founders of Courage Crafters Incorporated, and they are professional speakers. They've been writing and self-publishing since the dawn of time, uh, also known as 1997. Their book, Go For No, reached number one on Amazon's sales and selling list in 2010. It's remained in the top 50 of all sales books for the last 13 years and has now sold over five hundred thousand copies that is no small feat if you look at the book right now on amazon it has over four thousand reviews and the paperback is currently ranked well below ten thousand so this book is selling incredibly well Uh, in addition to writing and publishing their own books they also have helped several others do the same so they are very well versed on all things publishing and in 2019 they actually published the million dollar book formula how to write a short book that will sell forever, which contains 13 ingredients for making books succeed, plus an examination of their publishing successes and epic failures. Uh, they also write uh, have written now an 11-book paranormal suspense series under the name Diandra Archer. So the reason why I wanted to bring on them is pretty clear. Uh, 500,000 plus copies sold and also an incredible message. Uh, I read the book in about an hour sitting. Uh, it's called Go For No, as I mentioned and it's honestly, if you ask anyone who's successful, it's it's pro- they can easily point to this message. Uh, and it's done in a fable, uh, which is awesome. I always love messages like The Alchemist, where you know you get to learn from the story, and it's not just an author saying, "Hey, here's what I think you should know." Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to bring on Andrea and uh, Richard to talk about the book, uh, the message, and then next time they'll actually come back on to talk about how they were able to sell so many copies. So uh, thank you, Richard and Andrea, for coming on. Andrea and Richard, thank you for taking the time to come on to chat about Go For Now. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Yep. Glad to be here. Yeah. uh, 500,000 copies is no easy feat. Uh, First question that every author gets, doesn't matter if you're, you know, Bessel van der Kolk or, 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 you know, a small time author, you know, childhood story that made you who you are today. Ooh, childhood story who made me who I am today. You're, you're, you're pointing at me. So (laughs) I guess I'll take it. Um, I guess I'll go with the, uh, one that we talk about actually in our go for no sales training program a lot, which is, um, how I was completely infatuated with star Wars when I was a kid. I, we had like a, um, a bootleg version of the original Star Wars movie that came out in 1977. We had the old VCR. It was um, this gigantic behemoth thing. And I watched that movie over and over and over again. And I really had this fantasy in my head of working with George Lucas. And so a family friend actually was over one time and gave me his personal office number. And I called Uh, expecting to get him on the phone and convince him to maybe take me under his wing and let me make movies with him with without giving any kind of value whatsoever. I just uh, figured that I was as as a child who was in love with what 
what he had created, I figured he who wouldn't want to work with me, right? <laughs> so um his his secretary was really nice to me though. She she signed me up for the George Lucas fan club um <laughs> instead of letting me get instead of putting me through and letting me speak with George. And um so unfortunately that was my first big go for no moment, by the way, where I reached out to somebody and made a big ask and, and got rejected. I actually didn't take it all that well either. I, I apparently threw quite a fit after that. But um I the, the desire to create never left me. The desire to write, come up with ideas, um, and someday make a movie. That no, that never has left me. Yeah, I love it. I, I was wondering if you're going to bring that up, uh, too, because I know you mentioned that uh, in the beginning there. Uh, and you actually talk about another part, which I believe is Richard's side, uh, is he talks about um, kind of wanting to be a speaker when he was a kid. So I wonder if that's going to be your childhood story. That is absolutely my story. I was eight years old. Um, like most eight-year-old boys, I was in love with um, dinosaurs. One day I decided to uh, set up all, all my dinosaur, dinosaur uh, plastic dinosaurs in the basement and um, put up some signs around the neighborhood and tell everybody that Richard Fenton will be talking about the Paleozoic and Cenozoic era at two o'clock on Tuesday, um, admission five cents. And uh, I had standing room only. I had like 20, 25 people in the basement, get, did my little presentation. And at the end of it, the uh, next door neighbor woman came up and she said, Richard Fenton, you're quite the little professional speaker. And I had no idea, of course, what she was talking about at the time, but I liked the sound of it. And of course, I would find out, you know, I'd find out 35 years later that you also needed to have a book. So <laughs> having a book is obviously central to the whole professional speaking thing. I, I just picture you, you know, geeking out about your dinosaurs and not even thinking anything of it when, yeah, as an adult, you look on that and you're just like, that is like, you know, you just had the guts to uh, to to put up these posters around. I mean, same with you, Andrew, you had to call George Lucas, obviously, that's you know, having the guts, which is uh, so amazing to be in the company of people who do things like that, because people don't realize that it's just so easy to, you know, to find the contacts or or just to put yourself out there. Uh, and, and you know, you didn't have no one show up for this presentation of yours. You had, what, you know, standing room only in your basement, uh, which is like pretty cool, pretty supportive uh -huh. community, it sounds like. I made a buck 25. That was a lot of money in, in 1964. Yeah, yeah. Today, you know, inflation, you know, now that probably was like $3 million back then. Right? <laughs> um, all right. So who is Eric Bratton? Eric Bratton is a made up character, um, which is really me. Uh, the the story of Go For No or the story used in the book Go For No is fundamentally my story. Uh, I um, had a very rough start in the world of sales. I worked for my dad for a couple of years, um, was horrible at selling, decided that I had to get out of it, uh, moved from Chicago to Los Angeles to get as far away from the car business as I possibly could. Interestingly, Alex, the first job I took was in sales, which of course makes no sense. But um, I took a job in retail selling and because I thought in retail, I wouldn't have to go, you know, make cold calls. You know, it would just be easy to stand in the mall and people will come in and buy stuff. And uh you have to imagine my surprise two months into my new job when I was failing again. And that's when I had the miracle of a gentleman by the name of Harold who watched me with a customer and walked up to me afterwards and said, um, that was a nice sale, kid, but can I ask you a question? I said, sure. What's that? And he said, what did that customer say no to? 
And I was trying so hard to impress him that the, the question threw me. I didn't understand, you know, I mean, what do you mean? What did he say no to? That, that guy bought a, a suit and, you know, a sport coat, slacks, shirts, ties, shoes, socks, belts. I'm running through the whole list of everything he'd said yes to. And Harold said, whoa, he goes, I already know what he said yes to. He goes, what I'm asking you is what did he say no to? And when I stopped being defensive and I reviewed the sale in my mind, I realized that the customer I just had said yes to everything I showed him. There wasn't a single thing that he said no to. And I had to admit, I said, uh, he didn't say no to anything. And then Harold asked the other great question, which is, you know, well, how did you know he was done? And the answer is I was a young guy. I wasn't making a lot of money. And when you hit my mental spending limit, which at that time was about $1,000, I'd never gone into a menswear store and spent over $1,000 on clothing. So as a customer, if you got to my mental spending limit, you were done. I would shut the, I would shut the process down. That one conversation with that one man changed my sales career, changed the trajectory, uh, trajectory, excuse me, of my entire business life, moving into management and then training, and then eventually launching our own company, um, all around that one simple story. And I think that's one of the things that people, when they write books, make a huge mistake. And that is that they've, you know, they get 16 chapters, 22 chapters, you know, the, the 509 things you need to do to be successful. And usually there's only just a handful of things that make all the difference in somebody's career. And so that's why we wrote Go For No. And that's why the book is 80 pages, because 80 pages was exactly what it took to tell the story and to uh, and, and to tell it completely. But I want to add on to this okay. because the psychographic profile of Eric, and we did this very intentionally, you know, you know what I'm going to say here. Yeah. We wanted him to feel like a very average person so that he was highly relatable to anybody who read the book. So he's uh, 30-ish something. I don't think we even say. We give very little physical description of who he is. He's married. We show him taking out the trash we show him excited about going out for Chinese food, um, calling his wife and going, hey, can I pick up Chinese food? Because we wanted him to be so relatable that, again, anybody reading this would go like, this feels like my, like I do these things. This is my life. Yeah, I found that too. You know, he talks about having trouble getting spots on, you know, on, on you know, high-end golf courses and, and things like that. Um and it's, you know, the go for no, you know, you ask anyone, and I'm sure you guys, I mean, you obviously know this, you wrote the book, anyone who's successful, you know, Richard Branson or, you know, Elon Musk or whoever it is, you know, the amount of failures and the amount of no's that they've, it's taken them to get there. And, and you know, I, I really do love that it's all about, you know, whether it's sales or not sales, you know, this is all about just expanding your failure rate, right? Like how many times are you, are you failing getting no's from someone else or from life, which is an awesome concept. I did want to touch on, you know, nowadays. I've seen there seems to be a trend in sales from moving from, you know, being very pushy, 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 you know, buy something, buy something, buy something to more so like looking for a good fit with the with the customer. And obviously different products or, or in different services that you sell are going to be very different, right? You know, selling Coca-Cola uh, is going to be very, very different than selling, you know, uh, medication, right? They're, they're two very different, different products with, you know, one is definitely more needed than the other. How do you stay within modern day ethical sales while still going for no? Mm, it's such a good question. And um, I hope that people continue to that. Well, let's put it this way. It 
it seems like people are able to read GoForNo and apply it in a way that is ethical. You could use any tool, and we say this when we speak live, you could use GoForNo as a tool for evil, right? You know, you can you can manipulate and badger and twist people's arms, or you could make sure that you're doing it in a customer-centric, always in the other person's best interest type of way. And so that's how and where we always have come from. Uh how it has changed, though, is that I think there is an underlying idea that go for no is a numbers game. And I think today, even more so, that is that is true to to some extent that that you can't go on one audition. You can't send one inquiry to get your book published. You better be prepared to to be hardcore down with with producing some numbers at the same time. Uh, you have to, I think, read the room, have emotional intelligence, be able to relate to people, not be pushy and aggressive. And quite frankly, that is kind of the go for yes, I'm going to do, I'm going to make this sale or, or get my way from you no matter what. And so from a go for no standpoint, our position is, hey, you, the whole idea is to be willing to have the courage to ask. And to not necessarily expect a no, but accept it as part of the process and always do it again in the best possible way. There's there's probably, in fact, Alex, we've learned this over the last 20 years, teaching this, like speaking, speaking, you know, at, at engagements, but also like coaching people and doing online courses. There's a lot that we don't tell in the book because it is short. So there are like, there's a lot of things that looking back, I think, gosh, we could have touched on this. We could have dug into this. And so I guess from our standpoint, the good news is if people read Go For No and they go like, okay, I want more of this, we have a lot more to cover. Makes sense. Yeah. And I was, I was looking back on my own process because obviously we are a company, you know, we reach out to a lot of authors and I was thinking, okay, you know, because our sales process is very much you know, we hop on a call and it's, they decide they're right for us. And we decide they're right for, we decide they're right for us. And they decide that we're right for them. Right. That's mm-hmm. kind of like how it works. And I was like, okay, cause, cause I don't really go for no in these conversations. And oftentimes, you know, I'll leave these conversations without even getting a yes or a no, because it's like, yeah, yeah, take some time. Think about this, make sure it's right for you. But then I was like, wait a second. I do go for no, because we message, you know, 200 authors a week and, you know, 180 of them never reply to us we get maybe 10 no's and then we get 10 yeses, right? And it is, it's just making sure that those numbers are hit. And it's, you know, the yeses that we're getting are people who truly are going to be benefited by our work. And they're like, yes, I'm electing, you know, we'll get messages that are like, absolutely. So it took me some time. I was like, no, no we absolutely do go for no uh, in that way and, and in life. So, you know, it's, I think I just want to make the, the diff, you know, the differentiation between you guys saying, oh no, if a customer is saying, no, I don't want this, you're pushing them harder saying, no, 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 you do want this. You do want this as opposed to, you know, just reaching many different people and and seeing who the yeses are, and making sure you hit those numbers. Kind of like I think you mentioned. Um, I think I, I I think this was in the book was about uh, selling insurance uh, door. I might have been somewhere else selling insurance like door to door. I think it was the yeah, I think it was in the book was it was an example. And um, you know, it's the way to increase the number of uh, the number of sales is simply just getting your people to go to more doors, right? Uh, and, and overnight, I think that was an example from the book, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, just wanted to cover that. You did mention that there are some, there's some other graded, you know, you can only, in a, in 80 pages, you can only cover so much. 
uh, which is also awesome. I think that that's probably part of why the book has been so successful, which we'll talk about in the second half, um, is just how short uh, the message is. But you did also talk about some additional um, some additional advice from Cheryl and Kurt uh, on the golf course. So can you share a little bit about what they're, you know, the, besides the go for no, Cheryl, Kurt, uh, and then Eric's, uh, you know, uh, twin, what they all share the additional advice, because advice, I also found that to be really useful too. Okay. Now this is going to be funny. Remind me what Cheryl and Kurt said. <laughs> I was just looking at you going, he has no idea who Cheryl and Kurt are. Oh, no, no. I know who they are. I just can't remember that particular piece of advice. Um, yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> uh, I, I don't off the top of my head, but I remember no, it really, really useful. I, of the three of us. Okay. Like, why, okay. Sh- why on earth would Alex be forced to remember? He brought it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is the the leadership piece and the celebrating oh, okay. and the 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 idea that the person who goes for no and fails the most and gets the most no's sure. uh, is rewarded. Yeah, and 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 that is um, obviously it's a huge issue in the world of selling. Uh, the the standard thing is that you know a salesperson makes a sale and the sales manager you know celebrates, um, applauds, they high five, they give a bonus, they point it out to everybody. Hey, Bob made the big sale. Um, but what about the person who goes out and makes, um, 43 calls in a row, or you get 180 no's in a month? Um, when does that person get celebrated for the attempt? You know, when, what is the encouragement for them to keep going when they've gotten nothing but no after no, after no, after no. And so that's a big thing that, um, that leaders miss is that they, they don't say, Hey, Look at the number of calls Bob has made. Look at the number of times Mary has gone after this particular account. Um, they don't celebrate the attempt. And a lot of people think, well, no, 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 you don't want to celebrate the attempt. You can only, ce- you know, we can, you can only celebrate the home run. Don't celebrate when the person, you know, strikes out. Um, you know, celebrate the basket. Don't celebrate when they miss. Um, that's a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake because people keep going when they are encouraged. They quit when they are discouraged. And when somebody is getting no after no after no after no, they need the encouragement more at that time than the person who's making the sale because the person who's getting the big sale is getting a commission check. They're putting the pool in the backyard. They're sending their kids to college. They've got all the reinforcement they need when they're hearing the word yes. The question is, how much, are, how much do leaders reinforce people when they just keep hearing the word no? That's why I remembered uh, the messages and why I wanted to review them with you is because I'm with my own team now. Uh, because of that, I'm going to institute like a failure award within my own team because I, I like you're absolutely right. You know, I've, I've been trying to push my team to try new things with Amazon ads, uh, to try to be more creative in their approaches to different books. And, you know, it, it's kind of this failure, fear of failure that I've been, or the, or this lack of fear of failure that I've been trying to instill in my team. And I was like, what more perfect way than to actually, you know, not just say, no, you, you're not going to be penalized for trying as long as we're trying things, but to actually award the failure. Um, so I thought that was really, really useful. Um, do you want to touch on any of the other uh, advice by, I think that one was, um, was Eric, uh, the twins advice. Uh, actually, no, I think Eric's was expanding uh, to the rest of the team. Uh, maybe you can touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So one of the things that we talk about, I think, in that section is uh, the idea of the five failure levels, uh, which is kind of a cool way to. Um, and by the way, you could you could give a, a failure award to the person with the worst 
A-O-C-O-S. Uh, <laughs> right. Three hundred percent or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, the failure levels are really interesting because we have seen that people all start in the exact same spot, which is level one, the ability to fail, where 100 people, 100% of the people start. Level two is the willingness. So they read a book like Go For No and they say like, okay, I'm I'm willing to try to hear no more often as on the path to getting to Yes. Level three is the really important level, though, and that's the wantingness to fail. That's understanding that without really intentionally wanting, like putting your head on the pillow and saying, we never heard no this week. We never uh, took a chance this week. Nothing ever went wrong. Everything, you know, we didn't have any failures, didn't take any any risks. Uh that is where the success is found is level three, the wantingness to fail. And then the fourth and fifth level are more a function of team leadership. Level four is failing bigger and faster. So um, it is going after big no. So in your case, it would be going after, you know, very successful top tier authors. Um, it's those big, scary asks that that people avoid and, and doing it fast, you know, going for no quickly. And then level five is failing exponentially. And that is doing it as a team. That is, if individual failure leads to success, then group failure certainly would lead lead to group success. I can see why people pay you guys to speak. <laughs> this <laughs> is, I mean, this it's funny because I read that and I was just like, you know, it almost, I, I'm obviously not, I, I mean, I'm in sales, but you know, I used to work for a, a software company right out of school. And I was just thinking about how big of a message this would be for their team. I mean, a, any team, it's, it's, it's fantastic. So uh, Richard, Andrea, thank you so much for taking uh, the time to come on here and talk about go for no. Uh, you guys are going to be nice enough to come back on next time to talk about maybe how you even use some of the go for no principles in selling over 500,000 copies of your book. So thank you again for taking the time. And we're looking forward to having you back on. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thank you for listening. I know there's many other things you could have been doing during this time, and I hope you found this episode incredibly useful for you and your journey. And if you did, or if you have any feedback, I would love to hear that in a review on Apple. That would be fantastic or anywhere else that you are listening to this show. So thank you. And if you're the type of listener that is also an author or looking to be an author soon, feel free to email me at alex at advancedamazonads.com. That's alex at advancedamazonads.com. And I'll add you to our weekly newsletter where I send out all of the best marketing tips I've ever heard from authors that I've had on this show and many of the authors that we work with. So I look forward to hearing from you if that's something you'd find useful. And either way, I look forward to having you back for our next episode. 